Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. WI Live Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We have Sean Fitz and Nate Bauer here to talk about a lot of stuff. We've got a press conference sandwich this week. Monday, press conference. Friday, press conference. In the middle, all the good stuff, all the gooey Pense football talk. Uh, today, tomorrow, and of course, Thursday, where we have our uh, recruiting show. So there's a lot, of, there's just like an eclectic amount of things going on. And I was talking to Nate uh, before the show, and I was saying, like, I there we're coming out of football season where there's structure and like I know what's going on. This is where these guys shine. So all I'm trying to do this week is put you guys in the best position possible. And uh, I'm going to start that out by not having a great question to ask you, Nate. But how are you doing? And what are you thinking about this week with all the things going on? I'm I'm great. Thank you for asking. Uh, what am I thinking about this week? I think that I am thinking about uh, resolution. Right. It's uh it's been a process and there there has been there have been some situations that have been resolved for Penn State football over the last uh what 10 days right but there are many more to come uh you know like Theo Johnson and Chop Robinson have given us uh signals of what they're doing for the ball game yeah you know just being blunt there are Dozens more yes. that uh, that could could make themselves clear or clarify in the next few days, uh, maybe maybe longer than that. But certainly it's it's a it's an interesting time. I think we discussed this a couple of weeks ago. The the sheer number of options of players with options to either come back or go. Yeah transfer or not right you, you have it i mean it's just it's a it's a whirlwind and it doesn't really stop and it, it certainly has not reached its conclusion yet it's interesting uh because this time of year historically i think i'm still stuck in the idea that most guys the nfl is the only real answer like once you get past a certain point you are what you are as a player and you go get your money but with nil the 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 math is different at this point. It fit uh, fits. Is, is that is that fair to say? Like the math is definitely different for certain guys. It, it's still that, but the point has moved up. The point has moved up a couple of rounds, and you know the options of coming back and getting paid. You know, for I don't, I don't want to call it more secure money, um, because if you're you know if you're a seventh round pick, you don't know how that that all that all that kind of stuff works. But like you come back for another year, and then you get the seventh round pick next year or get the sixth, fifth, whatever it changes the math. And, and there's a lot to work on there. Um, you know, it, it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's so tough to say what's the right decision. What's the wrong decision for some of these guys, because you know, there, for some of these guys, there's, there is no seventh round pick. There is no future in football. If everything goes, you know, it's sort of how we project it to go. So, and yeah. that's, uh, that's the fun part about this time. And, and Nate says it's been what, 10 days. It's uh, the portal has been open, you know, to everyone for just a little bit over a week, it feels like a month, you know, it feels like, yes, especially you throw a defensive coordinator search in there. It feels like uh, there's a lot of time that has passed and it's kind of looking, looking at the watch and seeing what's happening here. So um, yeah, I think, I think that, that they're there, but I think, I think you're right in the sense of it's still the same formula. It's just the numbers have changed a little bit and it, uh, it makes it a little bit tougher on those guys and, and you can't blame them. I mean, you got to figure out the, the most marketable, most dollar cents, uh, dollar and cents uh, formula that comes through for you, um, yeah. and that that's different for every position. It's different for every uh, age. That's different for every uh, background. Like there's a lot of guys that have jumped in the NFL because of their, you know, the they needed the money. Now you don't really have to do that now, and, that, and I think that's fantastic. But on the other hand, it, it does change a lot of of how we do things. 
it's all i want to come back to you on another question here about this um by the way it you... looks like he really wants to say something i, I have okay. so much to say go for it go for He's it about uh, to <laughs> okay so so two things one uh the idea of the money that you make in the nfl versus the money that you're gonna make in an in, in nil right that's promised money in nil right you're talking about literally like a handshake agreement it's it's yeah. not guaranteed right so there there are guys that are going to take leaps of faith based on what is told to them they'll get in nil and granted every program is different but you can be enticed whether you're in the portal or not by outside programs saying hey you can make nil you can make this dollar figure nil and you make that leap and then it doesn't happen or some some variation of it happens, right? It's, it's, it's a different arrangement than what you necessarily anticipate. So I I just think it's a, it's a fascinating and in a lot of ways, bad place that the sport, that the sport is in right now, where it is, you know, people, people always, we, we've been doing this fits for 20 years, right? Ish. Uh, There has never been a time where every player Every coach, every single offseason, truthfully has a decision to make. Every every single like it it is it is comprehensive. It is the entirety of the roster has a decision to make every single offseason. And that is kind of where we're at right now. Like this this exact period is where those decisions are being made. Yeah, and that's a great point. That's kind of where we are with this show, is just tracking what's happened so far. Truthfully, not as much from a public facing as you guys have mentioned like the announcements that have been made only a couple but there's a lot of guys that have those decisions and we're in that phase of trying to track what the roster is going to look like next year or in short term going into the bowl game so we're going to be talking about a lot of that today uh penn state held their peach bowl press conference uh yesterday so really we're going to talk about what james franklin pat Kraft had to say about uh everything surrounding the game and then we'll talk about those roster updates and preview what's coming up on friday with the actual um bowl media day we're going to get a chance to talk to andy colton nicky for the first time so i'm just curious to see what you guys are thinking about in those realms the first thing i want to talk to you about though is if there is one hard and fast rule the money will come to you if you're a good football player and you need to make your skills bulletproof one of the best ways to be good at football, especially in the trenches, is to be good with your hands. But how how do you do that? Well, one way that I know is to check out MMAFX. This is a specific hand fighting technique taught by Bruce Lombard of Lombard MMA In-State College. It is the only comprehensive hand fighting program video set for football players available. This is not just for football players uh, at Penn State specifically, although he does train the entire offensive line and several defensive linemen, including Denai Dennis Sutton. So you should definitely check that out. But this is for high school football players. This is for college programs. I know we have... um, prospects and prospects families especially that listen to the thursday show we've been talking about that if you want to get better at football programs like auburn florida purdue western kentucky penn state old dominion virginia tech all of these teams that want to get better in the trenches especially on the defensive line they use mma fx and it's taught uh, with over two hours of hand fighting and hand speed technique drills including four levels of progression so you can make sure you get better over time and bruce is there in the video to help teach you so if you're like hey man i don't know anything about this how am i supposed to teach it it's professionally shot they have up close uh technique angles, slow motion, visual details to show you what you're doing and why you're doing it. It's like Bruce is there with you to help train your defensive line so you can go after that high school state championship. It's the off season. If you're planning your off season and you want to incorporate this, the weight room's super important, but if you can't translate all of those gains to the football field, doesn't matter. So MMAFX.net, uh, you can also get during the holiday season, this is the important part. Use promo code 15BWI to get 15% off at uh, LombardMMA.com backslash shop. So not only are you getting this uh, very rare, the only one of its kind hand fighting techniques, you're also getting 15% off. So use the promo code 15BWI. We love being partners with MMAFX and Bruce here on the show. So thank you to him. Thank you to you for listening and watching, and you should definitely check it out. And I'm not just saying that because they're a partner on the show. I believe in this stuff, too. Guys, Peach Bowl press conference yesterday. A um, lot about the defensive coordinator search, sort of. So, Nate, 
I want to start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from what uh, the parties involved said when they were asked questions about definitely the Peach Bowl? We're definitely talking about the Peach Bowl here. Yeah, I, I thought that Gary's keys to the game were were really important. That was... <laughs> I should explain that to everybody. Uh, you probably like, should, yeah. Yeah. Gary, By the way, check out the full video. We have the full press conference so you can see what Nate's talking about. Yeah, Gary uh Stoken? Stoken? Stoken, yeah. the CEO, CEO of the CEO of the Peach Bowl. It was a very nice guy. He seemed very nice. Uh you know, gave like a 12-minute preamble to the constitution there where he uh he declared <laughs> all of the ins and outs of uh, what makes a, a good matchup. And so he's, he was very excited and selling the game and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit misplaced, but that's neither here nor there. Eventually they did get to uh, allowing some questions and those questions were directed towards James Franklin and Pat Kraft and talked about the, the hiring process, how Pat Kraft is, is used as a resource in the hiring process, but, bottom line leaves the decision of assistant coaching hires to his head coaches, right? It's mm -hmm. not just James Franklin. It's a, it's across the board. It's for all the Penn state sports. So that shed a little bit of light. Uh, you know, James Franklin, I thought mentioning that they were, they were, I, I want to, I'm not going to be able to phrase this correctly because it's, um, it's a paraphrase, but talking about how, uh, whether it's internal or external candidates at, at defensive coordinator, right. And how they replace it, uh, how they replace Manny Diaz, I thought was interesting. It kind of lends some, some credence to, to the idea that there are guys on that defensive side of the ball, that assistant coaching staff that, that are probably going to be considered will at least yeah. get some consideration in the process. Um, but yeah, you know, look, it's, uh, there are decisions to be made. They have not yet been made. And so that's that's kind of where we're at is not not a whole lot of the solid information to uh, get across the finish line, right, at, at this point in the process. We have a little bit of audio to talk about Pat Kraft kind of framing the conversation around searches for assistants and coaches and things like that. And here's what he had to say. Uh, I'm here to support him. Uh, I'm here to do whatever I can. I can be a sounding board. Uh, for them, but I'm here to just support in any way I can. Um, and I know everyone thinks that's financially uh, related. It's not. Um, but I also want to make sure I challenge them to, to think big and think in a different way maybe than what was thought of in the past. Um, but I'm, I'm, I, I would like to think that I'm a person that they can lean on to say, what do you think here? Because sometimes it's always better to have outside eyes looking at it. So Fitz, getting kind of to the nuts and bolts of what Nate was talking about, you've got a couple internal candidates. Uh, Terry Smith, want to make sure he's part of the conversation. Anthony Poindexter, safeties coach. So the secondary, well represented in this conversation. But also, Pat Kraft is saying, think big. So the the scope of the, skirt, the search is not going to be, hey, do what Manny did. Uh, it's going to be, hey, who's the best guy for the job? I guess, where do you paint the, the, the scope of this search and, and what James Franklin is doing right now? Uh, with the defense coordinator position. I think they're treating it like uh, a top 10 program would treat it in the sense that if you want to go big, here's your, you know, there, there's a budget obviously, but like there is, hey, you're trying to win. We're going to try and get the best guy to win. And whether that's an internal guy, whether that's an external guy. And, and I think you can say a lot of that, but I know Nate and I have talked and, and there's, you know, not the names that are floating around, but it's like there's a dedication to this similar to the offensive coordinator and you don't have games to deal with. You don't have game plans to prep for and things like that. So maybe you get, you could focus a little bit more of your attention on it, but there's a, there's a dedication to this that I don't know that we've seen in a ton of hirings in the past. Now, James is always very thorough. Like this is a situation where he has his list and he narrows down that list and he wants to talk to people multiple times and he wants people to talk to Pat Kraft and he wants people to figure out how they would not only fit for in terms of like a play calling on Saturday, but also in central Pennsylvania because it's not everybody's cup of tea. So this is figuring out the step for the next two years. And it, if, if, if this year is any indication, we saw that the defense is the bedrock of this team. So you are making a hire where it is essentially a head coach, like just like we talked about. I mean, we're repeating points here on the offense coordinator because they hold true. The job opened up a little bit differently, but um, mm. this is this is a big time opportunity for Penn State. If they have a window right now, they want to do this as seamlessly as possible. So 
find what you find the best things that Manny Diaz did and roll them over. And, you know, if there were cracks in it, when you can always find cracks, of course, um, sure. but try and figure out how to, uh, how to plug those up. So I, I, I don't think there's any indication that this is, um, you know, you're going to fall on your face doing this thing. Like this is a situation where he's very important and it's, and it's a notable job, man. Like you look at Brent Pry is now at Virginia tech. He was the defensive coordinator here. Manny Diaz is now at Duke. We can just debate all you want, whether that's the right job or not. It is a power for job, I guess you call it now. Um, this is an opportunity to come in, coach a defense that has the athletes. You've seen the athletes out there and make yourself look really good. So this is an appealing opportunity for somebody out there. Um, you know, whether it's one of the initial names or whether it's somebody that, that breaks onto the, uh, the scene a little bit later, I don't know. Um, but it's a, it's a very appealing job. And I think a lot of it's, it's been in demand based on what I'm hearing from, from people in the industry outside of uh, Pitt state. Ben says this in the chat. He says, I can't imagine talking about the business of sports is terribly fun for anyone. Some people love it. I love talking about some of the high level stuff with Nate in the off season. This is, this is our bread and butter in the off season. So Nate, um, aside from that, the defensive coordinator search is a, um, you know, as Fitz just outlined it, this is a serious job that lots of people are going to be interested in. But in yep. the meantime, uh, Penn State has to have a bowl game. They have practices. They are trying to keep things running in house. So, uh, Franklin said, we'll talk more about it later in the week. Do you think we'll, what do you think we're going to learn about, uh, how they're running things on Friday? Do you have any thoughts on, on the current setup and, and how it's going to go for the bowl game? Just, just given the fact of how he handled the offensive coordinator situation with Ty Howell and Jay Wan Sider, I would anticipate him not telling the media <laughs> who is actually calling defensive play right I, I, yeah I, I guess it would be a surprise to me maybe, maybe he goes in that direction but uh it, you know I think it's a combination of the same deal right protecting his guys and also dispersing the praise uh right you you want everyone to get a little bit of shine and you want that uh shared responsibility to be felt throughout the the assistant coaching staff room so you, you know some combination of Terry Smith and uh, Anthony Poindexter, I think makes the most sense, uh, you know, but in terms of how it's actually being called, I would anticipate him not saying uh, publicly what, mm -hmm. what that uh, what that situation is going to be. Fitz, can you give us a little bit of um, the backstory on Anthony Poindexter and Terry Smith and why they are so uh, highly regarded, I think, both internally and why Anthony Poindexter is a guy that that fans are very excited for having him promoted from within. Cause it seems like there is, there's a surge for these guys specifically. Um, and I just wanted to get a little of the backstory on what those guys have done at Penn state or elsewhere. Well, first off with, with Dex, take a look at that safety room because that is turned into, you know, one of the more dominating units on it. And then the names have changed there. You go from Risker to Tig, uh, KJ Winston, obviously um, stepping up into that role right now. So like that is a, production development type standpoint where you're looking at a guy that has done really well, um, recruited those guys and turned them into players that we thought they would be when they're recruits. Doesn't always happen that way. So his development track is there. He's also got coordinator experience and you, you can go back into his time. Um, you know, he, he was at Virginia at UConn. So he's, he's bounced around a little bit um, in terms of is he the play caller? Is he not? But like this is a guy with a track record. He's been in the mix for head coaching jobs. Um, he did not get the job at, at Virginia a couple of years ago. Every time that job is open, that's going to come up. So it's just going to be very interesting. And if you you hang around Dex, he's a different cat, but he uh, he's, he's sharp in terms of what uh, what goes on with the football. So very interested to see where that fits. And Terry just has been around forever. He's part of the inner circle now. He was an outsider that worked his way into the inner circle. Um, he has turned down coordinator jobs in the past, and he has he's been a guy that has been extremely loyal and he's extremely sharp. Like it's, it's not a situation um, where it's just a guy that's, that's just hang, hung on for so long because everybody likes him. Like the dude is sharp. He, he knows what he's doing. He's a great recruiter. He's got all that. I don't think he would be as much in the situation here because he's not uh, an experienced play caller. Um, you know, Dex has a little bit on him on, in that nature. Um, but in terms of going big, it's tough to say, but Terry is as well respected in that in that building as as anybody, and will continue to be here as long as he's here. So I think there's there's that, and and on top of that, I mean, say the same thing about corners that I just said about safeties. I mean, that yeah. that has legitimately gone from a wasteland to where it is today, and where we're talking about you know a couple of potential draft picks in the spring. 
Um, Joey Porter playing really well in the pros. You know, it's just, there's a lot to like there about his recruitment and development um, in that back end because Penn State's secondary just has not been an issue. Uh, Sean here in the chat, he says, thanks for all your hard work this season, guys. Happy holidays to you. That is the season of being thankful. Started uh, about, you know, two weeks ago. He says, Sean's anti-fragile hat is tempting me. That's the brewery anti-fragile, right? Yeah, that's the one downtown. Yeah, they, uh, they do a great job. It's one of my favorite spots. Uh, Kevin says, have a safe and happy holidays. Thank you to everybody here uh, who's always a, a regular. Kevin, a regular. Sean, a regular. Um, I, I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, the schedule has been a little bit messy, and I, I love having, like, hey, we're here on these days specifically. Just with everything that's been going on, we're going to be getting back into a rhythm, though, uh, you know, in the new year. Once, uh, yeah, once say, holidays really are over. help with that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anything else, Nate, from yesterday that you found interesting that I haven't br brought up or asked you about? Yeah, I thought that uh, I took the comment of I will have more detail on the next time that we're together as intriguing from a hiring standpoint. Not that yeah. I think not that I think they'll put somebody in front of us, right? That Penn State doesn't work like that. It takes longer than that. But the notion of eh, there might there might be somebody to talk about uh, by then, I I, I thought uh, is a possibility. Put it that way, you know, just just the way that he was talking about that 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 was kind of my reading between the lines on that comment. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's look, this is this is the situation for Penn State football now, right? Is, is you are a victim is the wrong word, but like victim of your success, right? You, you have that success that steady uh, over that many years. I, I thought that, that something that James Franklin said, and I, I, I wrote it maybe a week ago, a week and a half ago um, about Penn State's longevity in terms of defensive excellence. Like it, it is, all there. The, the numbers are are there for you, right? And so if you look at the number of times that Penn State has had top 10 defenses over the last 30 years, over the last 20 years, it's over 50%. Like it, it is a remarkable number uh, of the times that Penn State has put out or produced that type of defense. Um, you know, the 30-year average points per game given up, I think is 18.5. Like you know, you're, you're talking, you're talking about something that stands the test of time in terms of how it has been a foundational part of this program. Uh, you know, so, so that is, uh, that is something that it's not, it's not like Penn state and James Franklin are coming at this hiring process from anything other than a point of like complete strength. They, they are very strong. He will have his options uh, of guys that he wants to, to fulfill that role. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll just see how, how quickly they can move to, to get that done. It's uh it's a chaotic time of year. I think that's the, the main thing I've, my, my main point of today's video and, and our conversation is it's a very chaotic time of year with a lot of things that can happen at any point. Let me give you an example. So yesterday we have, uh, the peach bowl press conference in the morning. I then go and uh, deliver some magazines downtown, the latest issue of the Blue White Illustrated Magazine, also out on uh, newsstands, if you want to check that out. Um, deliver that downtown. I come home, and I look down, and I say, oh, Penn State's gotten a commit from uh, the transfer portal. I just see that on the internet, and I go, okay, well, there's my afternoon. At no point in any of these times did I have time uh, to get lunch. And despite the fact that the season is over, there's a lot of things going on. So... If you want to be like me and Fitz and uh, Nate, check out Factor. They're ready-to-eat meals delivery service that can help you fuel your breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered to your door. This is not um, basically a high school lunch that somebody had thrown into a package and then sent to your house. These are real meals and real chefs preparing these things with real ingredients. They are really good nate i know you really i'm using really a lot but like i want to stress yeah. these are good nate enjoyed them and that's he's got a high bar for what actually tastes good and and has a he's a foodie you you have a blog nate i believe you have a food blog or you have a you know a top 10 ranking somewhere i nope but i multiple really like text where he complains about the food in state college <laughs> i know that for a fact that's true 
That's true. They, they, uh, <laughs> it leaves something to be desired. But Factor is fantastic. I, I tried out their foods and uh, had, I believe it was the keto option. I'm not keto, but uh, I, I, used, I chose that plan. There was a, a plan. They have different dietary uh, emphasis, emphases. Doesn't matter. Uh, what's the plural of emphasis? Uh, Nobody else mm, knows. You stumped it, me. This is yeah, Jeopardy? yeah. Uh, in any case, they're they're very, they're very good. The food the food is very good. It comes packaged excellently, cold packaged, but not frozen. The food is never frozen before mm-hmm. you get it. So it you know, uh, I tend to think that these things come out better, taste better, uh, are more enjoyable. The textures, all of that stuff. Yes. it's legit. It's legit. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- don't use the microwave option. That's not my style. Take no. your, you take can, your tw- but put you it can in the oven. Take your twelve minutes in the oven. Uh, y- you will appreciate every bite of that meal. Factor, yeah, hundred percent. And they do have other options that Nate is talking about, where they have the keto option. They have some dietary, uh, some calorie conscious options, where everything is uh, five hundred and fifty calories. If you're trying to lose weight, they uh, have some um, uh, non-heated options as well. The point is. Uh, that you should definitely check this out and use the promo code head to factor.com backslash BWI 50 or just go to factormeals.com use BWI 50 at checkout to get 50% off your purchase. That's a holiday deal. So the stress of taking care of everybody else, especially if you're a busy mom and you're not a football guy, this works for anybody. Uh, If you have to feed your family, make sure you feed yourself as well. Also want to thank My Perfect Franchise for being a part of the show as well. My Perfect Franchise, no matter what the situation in the economy is, there's always a part that is moving. And Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net has his finger on the pulse of that. He can help you live your American dream by finding you the right business to manage. If you have corporate skills, you've developed business skills and leadership skills, or maybe you're an expert in a field, you know, You have spent your life learning a bunch of skills. Now let him find the right place for you to manage that and maximize your earning potential. Uh, Contact him at 404-973-9901 or at the Blue White Illustrated Message Board if you want to sign up or myperfectfranchise.net. He can help you live your American dream and take your life to the next level or add supplemental income, whatever it is that you want to do. I know I was talking to him. I've been uh, doing a bunch of renovations on my house and I was like, oh, we're going to have a conversation about all this stuff because that was something he brought up of house renovations are really big right now because, you know, inflation is high. So something else has opened up. That's just an example to show you that even if you think things aren't going well right now, there is some angle for your business or your business skills. So once again, 404-973-9901. Want to ask you a question. Here's a good question in the chat that I think gets into the relationships and recruiting and football in general. RS asks, does the firing of Mike Yersich change the dynamic in a negative way with Brad Mandler, the quarterback coach for um, Ethan Grunkmeyer and for Drew Aller, or does PSU still hold a relationship with him? Dude pumps out QBs, looks like a decent 26 under his wings now brad has done some excellent things we've had him here on the channel um and interviewed him about his process but fitz i want to ask you about this from that perspective does penn state still have uh uh, the ability to plumb that well the same way that they have been yeah absolutely um it's going to depend on drew uh of course ethan grunkmeyer is a man guy so like he's still coming in that makes a you know it's pretty clear sign that things have not hit a speed bump or anything like that but you know there's a good relationship there it was very beneficial for both sides. Um, Brad's not looking to come and coach or I know people have asked about in the past about being an analyst or anything like that, but you know, it, it helps him when his players do well. And you know, if you players are spread out across uh, multiple schools, that's a good thing for him. That's a good thing for a lot of, a lot of places. Um, So I don't think that's an issue. I know that there's still a good relationship there with Franklin, a really good relationship with Danny O'Brien and and O'Brien has kept up with, with the quarterback recruiting. Um, He's been on the road, you know, Andy Koltanecki's in town and, um, has been, you know, in the building and things like that, but still keeping Danny O'Brien out on the road. He went and saw Beckham Kritza last week. You know, that's that's really eased the transition. Um, I, I can't like I, I feel like a broken record here. I feel, actually feel like a PR agent for Danny O'Brien <laughs> is that, you know, people really like the direction that, that things are going with him as a quarterback's guy. So, yeah, um, they're going to keep that up as long as they can and, and, and figure all that stuff out. So that that is where I would go with it. Of course, you know, you there's always going to be like a, why would they do that sort of situation from a, from the Manler standpoint, but this guy has put um, 
several quarterbacks into the Penn State system, or he, he will at least after Gunkmeyer um, goes, and, and and a bunch of his guys have camped here. He brings guys for visits. I mean that 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 thing is it would be um, you know I don't want to speak for Brad, but it would be foolish to to sort of tarnish that uh, that relationship there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul asked this in the chat, and he says, "Do we have a chance with offensive tackle Chase Basantis? Uh, Fitz." I'm going to ask you this question. Just kidding. This is a great reason to go to bluewhiteillustrated.com and uh, check out the Blue White Illustrated message board, premium content articles. Paul, this is a great question. Getting to the heart of it. We get a lot of these questions. And here's the deal. If you want that information, $1 gets you two months. Use the code PSU1. That tells you uh, that tells everybody that you're coming from the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel and uh, that we love you here and we want you to have that information. But that is something where... Uh, there's another level of things that we talk about here on the show that go on elsewhere. So, Paul, great uh, <laughs> Bisconti. <laughs> I just noticed that. Um, Chase Bisantis is the guy he's asking about. That has been something that you you need to go PSU1, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, and sign up for. I do want to ask you about the transfer portal, though, Fitz. Uh, Alan Heron, we talked about him uh, on our breaking news video from Monday. Uh, which was just yesterday if you're watching this live. But I guess my question here is, if you want to give a quick recap of what you think of him, but getting a tackle in the portal, we mentioned, is rare. How do you gauge Penn State's portal health right now, given that everything is going on behind the scenes and that you know we, the, the public, don't have access to all that information? So is this a positive sign for Penn State that they get a rare player? Is this How do you view the team's progress in the portal, given there's some obvious needs that the, the team needs and we haven't heard a whole lot about you know some of those other positions you look at some of the positions that they're after take cornerback for example and penn state you know they may need a cornerback they may not i mean it, it depends but they have elected to sit back and sort of wait for guys to go in that they have expected to go in heron was a guy that was in the portal in mid, mid-november and all of a sudden just blew up at the end of november whether that's new tape or or whatever um i i don't know but clemson auburn penn state you know, a bunch of really big schools came through and offered him. Then Penn State proceeded to set up the visit. Like this is showing you your showing you their cards without actually showing you their cards. In that this is guy was a priority from the start. Now that doesn't mean you don't recruit Chase Basantis. That doesn't mean you you're done with tackle. You would still like to find a guy that you could come in and plug opposite Drew Shelton and say, hey, you're going to start next year. Okay, um, right. whether that happens or not, I mean that's just sort of portal recruiting right now. Um, but, uh, you, you, this is an opportunity for him to bring in a guy that's, you know, as we mentioned, sort of on that Juco path, like three years left to play too. Can he play this year? Probably. Will he play this year? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to get into that division one, you know, big 10 strength program and take to it right away and be ready to go by spring. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that because it's, it's such a big jump from division two in Georgia to, to the big 10. So, um, but. It's a guy that has the opportunity, 6'5", 310. He's got the body to do so. Um, you're going to see how strong he is. You're going to see how good his feet are compared to other Big Ten players. Compare him to Javen Williams. Compare him to some of those other guys. I don't think we mentioned J.B. Nelson yesterday. Like, J.B. Yeah. Nelson can be in the mix for that tackle job as well, even though he's coming back as a, as a starting guard, just because he's got experience and things like that. So um, it, it is a very good get for Penn State. People that I've talked to outside of Penn State are very high on him as well in terms of his physical potential. It's a lot of that right now. Like you can't look at, I mean, and and no disrespect to, to Heron or any of those guys making that leap. You can't look at Division Two film and say, okay, this is absolutely going to translate. Like right. it just because it's it's so hard. Like you can't yeah. say that about junior college guys. You can't say that about MAC guys. You know, lower Division One guys. So like it's it's such a projection right now. But you do have time to make it work. You have three years to make two two years work. And offensive tackle so tough to to um, to to recruit, so tough to gauge, and so tough to project and develop. You know, it's it's not a situation where you know you you find like we talked about those defensive guys. Their hit rate is pretty strong. It's not one hundred percent. No no position is, yeah. but it's an opportunity for them to get another big body in there that they think can hold up in the big 10. And we've seen November last year, November this year, those guys get dinged. It, it happens. And a lot of guys, a lot of different guys have to play. So it's uh it's, it's a good opportunity for Penn state to grab what is one of the best offensive tackles in the portal. Um, and coming from that level, I don't know what the numbers are in terms of NIL, but coming from that level, level, he's probably going to demand a different amount of attention, a different amount of uh, dollar numbers and, and and things like that than a Chase Basantis, which is right. th- that one's going to get expensive. Uh, I just want to add a, a, a supporting comment on what you just said about the transition from Division Two to to Penn State. 
his teammate, starting center, number 58, I watched one game. I could find one game. Uh, the starting center was 5'11". That's, I, there's, you mentioned Juco. It's kind of a, even a high school comparison there of you've got 5'11", 250-pound centers in high school. And just that one anecdote is, is, uh, is kind of my point there. But just generally, like, there are things that don't compute from watching that film to what he'll be facing later. I, um, I, was, I was thinking of this the other day. Like, a lot of times when you watch high school football, the best player in the field is the five nine hundred and ninety pound nose tackle like because he's so <laughs> active and everything like it was, it was like that for my high school um that guy doesn't play division one football but he can play division two football he can play division three football and, and be a productive guy it's just a matter of the these things get really big really fast. it's a big game for big people and i know people love the scrappy underdog and everything like that but you're not putting him in offensive tackle and I'm asking him to block JTT out there. So um, yeah. it's a it's a situation where you found a guy that you think is big enough. You found a guy that you think can move well enough and mirror and hopefully is strong enough to do so. I mean, some of those those Juco guys that they've brought in, you know, have eventually done nice things, but it, it took some time to get their feet under them. And getting him in here for January is going to be a, a big deal, I think. For sure. Um, Nate, I want to ask you this question. Ben was having a conversation in the chat about uh, the business of college football right now and how the debate in the chat is, is it in flux? Is it broken? What are the rules? And Ben says there are no rules. Cash is clearly ruling everything in the game. So from from kind of a front office perspective and a big picture perspective, how uh, Fitz just said Chase Basantis or a tackle, tackle X in the transfer portal yeah. is going to cost a lot of money. How do you square all of this from what I was asking him earlier of portal health and then from that perspective, Penn State health with NIL of their portal activity? Um, so can you get any context clues about Penn State's NIL or anything from their portal activity? And what Ben is saying is cash seems to be king right now. Yeah, uh, two, two things. One, um, people under six feet have feelings too, guys. So, so let's just start there. Really not my problem. We're human. We're humans. All right. I was just going to blow right by it. Just like, let it go. <laughs> Treat just, us with you know, respect. I feel, feel the same way. You guys are <laughs> jerks. Uh, no. Where is Penn State's health and I always, I, look, it's, it's the, the same old, same old, right? There has not been a, it's not like, it's not like we're sitting here today and can say, oh, within the last month, there's been this major breakthrough, right? And so suddenly Penn State, as a fan base or a donor class gets it. No, it's, it's not. It's uh, it, it, is it better than it was two years ago? Absolutely. Right. They've, they've worked hard at this. This has been something that they have put invested quite a bit of time into and energy and effort. And I think some small strides have been made, but also, uh, you know, there, there is a long way to go in terms of the, the culture of giving to the program uh, from, from where some of Penn state's competitors are, it's just not the same. It's just not the same fan base. And uh, again, this is kind of the caveat that, that gets lost in translation sometimes, but personally, I, I don't blame Penn state fans at some points for that. Right. It, it just, it's just such a, uh, it is it is a hard sell, I think, to to say that the onus of responsibility for paying players falls to fans. I, I just I think that's right. I think that is a really really hard sell, and Penn State fans are savvy enough, I, I would say, to realize that. Uh, that said, do do you have options? Right, like is there is there some money? Yes, there is. But I, I do think the one thing that stands out to me about where the program is right now is you can get a discount, right, on players that are already in your program. Bottom line, right? So you you're can, saying the the value of retention is more so than the value of acquisition to to me yes and i think that that sentiment would be echoed in inside the program as well is that it, you have the again the devil you know versus the one that you don't I, I think that there are players that penn state has pursued has had discussions with right etc more intently from within than without 
at, at times, right? I'm not saying that they're not pursuing people in the portal. I, they, they obviously are, but there, there is a value that can be had for players that you already have that relationship with, that you want to maintain that relationship, uh, that, that like you dig into the notion of why did you choose Penn state in the first place? It wasn't for money in a hundred percent, right? 99% of these cases, it wasn't for money. That That is not how Penn state has attracted its player pool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but at the same time, there are needs to be filled. And I think it's, I think it, the, the approach that, that James Franklin more or less announced, right? Uh, three years ago ish about being highly selective in the transfer portal right? You, you want to fill your needs. You want to mm-hmm. have pre-existing relationships with those players as best as you can. You want to know what the goods are, right? You want to know who these guys are before you bring them into your program rather than just spending wildly to fix a hole, to, to fulfill yeah. a need. Um, Fitz, I think, can I, I think all of those things are true. I want to, I want to spin this to a, a larger picture then of, and this is, this is not a, Nebraska podcast, but Nebraska in the Big Ten, there's been a lot of smoke around that program recently, and a part of the conversation has been their ability to put together resources to, you know, maybe not even go after guys in the portal, but potentially flip commits, be, you know, kind of get back to Nebraska being a relevant part of the college football conversation. Is there a danger here, Fitz, of Penn State's plan of still recruiting high school football players, relationships, etc.? falling behind with you know other more well-established nil pursuits as this thing matures or is this thing in such transition that we really can't project any of that i mean i think there's a danger there i i don't think you can project it right now just because you're looking in a couple of years and thinking that revenue sharing is going to eventually come you know it's, it's going to be a, a situation where it levels the playing field a bit and then you're going to have an nil on top of it i mean that's the part we forget right we we talk about revenue sharing and these players getting some but you can also use your name image and likeness in the way that it was meant to be used so it's still going to be a factor um you know i don't know it'll be as much because you're going from a baseline of, of I don't want to call it zero, but you're going from zero to um, whatever you can possibly make uh, from these schools. But Nebraska, I mean, it's tough. I mean, they sell out every game to watch what they've watched over the last decade. That yeah. says something about the fan base that has, you know, it, it, it's a dedicated fan base. And it's a, it's, it's obviously out in the middle of, of, of not a pro sports haven uh, in, in Nebraska. So there are, there are advantages there, and they've always sort of been, you know, able to throw their money at it. I know they – I don't want don't want to say anything about the 70s and 80s, but you know that was a, a very healthy program in Lincoln, Nebraska. So <laughs> here we are. So um, you know it's it's a situation where I think that that's a that's one of those ones that I think is going to have to have a thriving NIL, have to have a thriving you know business behind it to mm-hmm. attract players because of the the things that are going against them. Not unlike Penn State, not unlike Central Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, but it, it is a situation where they, they're also going to lean on their history like Penn State. They're going to lean on a lot of things that, you know, it's going to get a lot of players there. And I see a question in the chat about viewing their commitment as a four year or a one year. Still, most guys that come through the program expect to be here for four years. You know, still most guys that they sign um, when you get really good you think you should be compensated as such. And that's, that, that's where the, that's where it changes for a lot of these guys. Um, you didn't expect player a to, uh, you know, all of a sudden burst on the scene as a sophomore and be like, Hey, um, you know, I kind of like to be taken care of because this, this guy over here, this school over here, maybe not this school, but this agent over here is telling me that if I do go to this school, they're going to take care of me as such. You know, like there's a lot of things that are going to bounce around your head in that situation. So whether, I mean, we veered off here from Nebraska, Penn state, all that kind of stuff, but the, this yeah. is the sort of thing that's going on. Um, I read a piece on the athletic last week about the, the, the kid from Syracuse that went to Wisconsin and, and the disconnect between the kid, the high school coaches that actually went on his visit. And then these agents that sort of popped up out of nowhere, like that's, that's the sort of thing that guys are wrestling with right now. And that's why it's so difficult. And that's why it's so really from this standpoint, kind of funny how this, this stuff is all working out because there's, there's so many gaps and lapses in communication from school to player, from player to agent, from player, from collective to agent to, you know, there's just so many games of telephone going on that is, it's really fascinating to see this. And, you know, I think there'll be stories that come out after this, that, that sort of, 
uh, show kind of what a joke it is, like kind of how this all come has has come together without re regulation, without the NCA stepping in front of it. And now the NCA is like, hey, what are we going to do? Uh, here we are. So, yeah, um, Nate, anything uh, anything to come back with that? You're on mute. Yeah, no, no. I, I, the, the one thing that's that. It stands out to me as, and I'm not sure it's fair. I'm not, I'm not really in a position to speak on it eloquently, but I, I think that there is uh, the the a mindset of it's almost like um, the mob and protection, right? In terms of businesses downtown in State College, downtown or in the surrounding area that don't exist without Penn State football, right? Like bottom line is right. hotels aren't charging. $500 a night for rooms, $1,000 a night for rooms if Penn State football doesn't exist. And so there is an expectation, right, an expectation from the, the program that some of that is going to get kicked back into supporting the program because this is mm -hmm. existential in a lot of ways for the program's success, right? Do you want that enthusiasm to remain? If you're a, if you're a downtown business in, in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, how much of your success is tied to the success of the football program and what investment is demanded of you to, to keep that going, right? That's, that is an area where I feel like, uh, you know, just speaking bluntly and reasonably, it, it has probably fallen short in a, in a lot of ways. Penn state has like the football program has not gotten that type of investment to boost its, its NIL endeavors and Certain it's badly expectation. needed. Like a certain expectation, I, I think, from uh, that perspective of, and if I just want to hop in here with a couple of things to clean up here in the conversation. First off, there needs to be a statute of limitations on when we can give our hot takes about uh, Nebraska from the 80s and 70s. Like, if, I, I feel like that was a safe one to fire off. Uh, but it's absolutely, to, to Fitz's point, you can't rest on your history. You have to be continually, and as James Franklin said, fighting every battle on every front, because if you don't, I think Nebraska is a fair cautionary tale of a, of a program that thought they were one thing, and then when they didn't try to keep up with all of the things going on, they turned in the program we've seen in the last 10 years, however, they, however long they've been in the Big Ten. And that level of expectation of support from local businesses, I think, ties into that conversation, Nate, about... Um, you can't just expect to get stuff because it requires uh, uh, it requires something of you uh, to maintain that level. I think was what James Franklin has said. Fitz, is that fair? You look like you had a thought. About I, that. I think so, but also I don't think the the football program and the people doing the NIL here is a situation. Like I don't I don't think this is a situation where they've done a tremendous job in the messaging either. Like mm -hmm. you, we talk about that that one year program that Michigan ran last year, Nate, you, you're, you were all over this from the start. And I don't yep. think it's been, I don't want to call it unsuccessful, but you know, Theo Johnson's not coming back. Like there, there are guys that, that may come back still, but at the same time, like you compare Michigan, the way Michigan ran their one year and the way the Penn States run their one year. I mean, Penn States is almost non-existent. Yep. No. And it's, it's, I think it's a, a very, very fair criticism of, Look, this goes back to right kind of the original sin of of how Penn State has handled its NIL situation in terms of broad based support. It, it's like a it's like a morality tale of we're going to do this the right way. Well, I am sorry to, to break this to Penn State fans, but the right way is the losing way. It is a losing mentality to say. Uh, like this messaging of supporting 830 athletes. I, I am so sorry. <laughs> I, I genuinely am. I, I, I wish for everyone's sake that everyone had a piece of the NIL pie, but the messaging itself is what loses the, the oomph that you need in this. Like if you could just identify five players that you have a realistic shot of getting back, right? Caden Wallace would to me make a ton of sense to, to absolutely have a fundraiser for him to say, Hey, we are, we desperately want you back. You are worth the $800,000 that we might be able to rate. Now, granted, that's an inflated number, but even if you like, you can just show that dedication to, mm -hmm. to getting a player like that back. Instead, the messaging is, Hey, uh, one more year campaign uh, to, to try to get, players back which players well, i don't know 
<laughs> that is a perfect it's... transition into this conversation uh, about the players involved. So if we want to have a couple of specifics uh, in this conversation, I just want to get from both of you. I don't want to. I don't want to lose this thread, but I do want to kind of fold in some names of interesting players that haven't made their intentions known. Who do you think is is the most interesting of this group? Nate, you you led with Caden Wallace. Is that the guy you would imagine is the most interesting of this group of guys who could leave, could come back? It's kind of ambiguous. Um. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think I think he would be in, in the sense that you look at other position groups, and there are more natural uh, successors, I guess is how I would put it, right? There are, there are players kind of waiting in the wings. And I'm not I'm not going to say that Drew Shelton isn't, right? Or uh, that Javen Williams isn't, right? There, there are options there at tackle, but it's just such a prime-valued piece of real estate for a football yeah. program. Like, you just, it's so, it's, I'm not going to call it desperation, but to have players there who you can rely on, you know, and, and in the context of what are Caden's options going to be post Penn state, mm. I, I'm not saying that he doesn't have options. He is, he's probably going to have great options. He will, he will be an NFL guy, draftable but player. Yeah. A, a draftable player, but yeah. is he going to be a day one day two guy? I think fairly, probably not right. That that's probably not a realistic expectation for him. Uh, so if that's the case and you are able to make a competing offer to, to convince him to stick around, like, I think that you have to do that. And I think that Penn state would like to do that, but yeah. I'm not sure that it's in a position where it's able to do that. And that's the, that's the interesting dynamic to me of man, um, you know, is it a missed opportunity? Is it something that you can bridge that gap anyway, just by having a strong relationship? I don't know, but it, it's certainly a position that uh, I, I think is of need for Penn state specifically. And a guy that if he were to return would be a massive win. Like, I don't think so, anybody would look at that as not being a massive win for Penn state. Nate, are you, are you saying, Oh, I'm doing it. Uh, are you saying that Caden Wallace uh, represents that hometown discount that you were talking about over Chase Biscotti and that you don't need to go to the portal if you can just retain one of your football players. I I don't, but I don't know if there's a discount there. That's the, that's the, the biggest issue, right? Is how many of these guys, like we just, I, I, I'm not sure. And maybe it's just me and my perception of it, but you are spending these couple of weeks interim recruiting your own players as much as you are recruiting outside players. That That is the bottom line here is, and how all of these pieces fit together, every single individual that you're talking to from your own team has things that they have to consider. Are you considering who is in front, right? What is, what is the guy in front of you doing? Are mm -hmm. they leaving? Are they staying? How hard are you working on that guy? And they're all talking to each other. Every player in the locker room is having a conversation with each other about numbers about where they stand in the pecking order. Like it is their parents is, are too. That's right. And their parents are too. And it's <laughs> it is it is very, very hard to sort through, I feel like for everyone, right? It, you can you can put yourself into the shoes of the players, their families, and Penn State coaches of the feedback that they're giving me about what the offers are outside of Penn State. Are those real? right is are the numbers behind it real who knows like it's, it's all a lie it's all it's all it's all just uh make-believe and so you just got to sort through what's real and what's not and i think it's difficult for everyone involved fitz do you have a do you have another player that you would find interesting in this conversation to bring up of guy who has maybe several options and we're waiting to hear from yeah, I think I think Tyler Warren fits in here. Like this is a guy that yes. uh, you know has has been uh, you know part of a one-two punch, and if he comes back, he can be the one punch. You know, like that that is a situation. Now, Grant, I think Penn State's got some really good tight ends that you could you could pair with him. But Theo's out the door. You know, Theo's a guy that you know I, I feel like would be in that three to five range um, in there, depending on how he tests and things like that. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's there's you know legitimate pull from both sides. I think. Um, Warren would probably be a little bit after him. Um, but like that, that's a guy that I look at to say that if he comes back, you know, it changes a lot of things. It changes, uh, you know, how you look at it. I mean, you, you were talking about, 
um, a player that you know more about coming back versus what you don't know in the portal. And I think, you know, we're a year removed from Parker Washington, you know, taking off to be a sixth, sixth or seventh round pick. Um, and, and I think that that's something that he, you know, he always wanted to be three and out. Um, and it's a situation where I don't know what the, 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 the deal would have been money wise, but like, you know, could you have enticed him to come back over Dante Cephas and Malik McLean? Like that is a, a prime example right there of, you knew what you were getting with Parker Washington, yeah. whereas you reach your hand into the grab bag and you pull out a receiver from the portal. It might work. He may have had wonderful stats at his prior school, but it, it also might not. So I think. That is the situation that I would look to is, you know, you you know so much more. You have so much more information about your current players. You know their personality. You know how they're going to fit in that locker room because they have been in that locker room. And you know, I think that's a, a very, <laughs> a very interesting way to come back at it and and see it. And I don't know, man, it's uh, it's, it's going to be interesting the next couple of weeks because we're going to look at guys that, you know, could play in the bowl, could not play in the bowl, could come back, could not come back. I mean, it's just it's all very fascinating. As Nate said before, everybody's got a decision to make, even if you don't think they have a decision to make. Oh, there's a lot there. Uh, that's, uh, but it, it keep, keeps us talking here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel, gives us uh, some some things to chew on as we are in between press conferences, like I said. So uh, press conference coming up, you hear more from James Franklin, Andy Koltelnicki, uh, you know, some of the other players and people uh, over uh, at bluewhiteillustrated.com and here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel on Friday. But we've got plenty of conversation coming up uh, over the next couple of days. We'll talk a little bit more in detail about Manny Diaz and his decision on the show tomorrow. Um, any final thoughts, guys? Nate, do you have any final thoughts on uh, what we've been chewing on here at the end of the show? Yeah, the 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 last thing that is funny or amusing to me is the guys that are goats, right? That that get scorn or you know what have you. What's that? Good goats or bad goats? Yeah, bad goats, right? Bad, bad goats. Bad okay. goats. But <laughs> no, just like, scapegoats. Look, Caden Wallace has been a scapegoat at times in his Penn State career. Bottom line yeah. is that is how he has been perceived. But also, if he leaves, the, the fan sentiment is going to be, oh, no, right? Like, it's... <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, so that's, a, that's a great point. And that was something that I was thinking about a part of this conversation is I think there is a certain part of your brain that thinks about the transfer portal like either free agency or another layer of recruiting where suddenly, hey, we can upgrade, not just we need to replace, but we can upgrade with a guy at a certain position, um, not taking into account all of the things that go into the transition uh, to a new school and you know, why they leave the portal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like there is the fantasy football option or the team building option of, hey, the portal's great. Instead of saying, hey, uh, as you pointed out, Caden Wallace was pretty good by the end of his football career. And a veteran offensive lineman that's 25 is way better than a dude who's 19, even if he's more talented. And you have to consider what, like the, the, the piece of the equation that never enters the conversation is, what are your resources to spend on these upgrades, right? The players that you don't know, but you are considering upgrades, uh, you know, bottom line, it's just, it's not, it's not good enough. We're, we're, right? we're getting into a baseball analogy here, Nate, and that's very dangerous because yeah, don't be the pirates. And, and, that's, and that's why and that's why Penn State reverts to guys that they know. Like you look at the portal and the guys that, you know, every name that goes into the portal seems to be better than the receiver room. Like that's not the case. Like that's not the case. But you look at the guys that they have had prior relationships with and that's sort of where they filter down to. I mean, you look at uh, Andre Green was on campus this weekend. That's a guy that Penn State recruited and feels like they know pretty well. I think they were top five or six or something like that in the recruitment, not, not seriously enough before he went to North Carolina, but that's a guy that you had an opportunity to, to get to know at some point. I mean, there's count, I mean, chop Robinson, Johnny Dixon guys that you were in on at some point, but maybe just didn't finish the job when you were, when they were high school recruits. I mean, that, that is why they would like to sort of lean to those players, lean to the guys that they have an idea of that personality, how they fit, because when your personality fits in, it makes it easier to fit in on the field. Yeah, and you're not spending money on a guy in the portal if you are paying for it and then causing problems of somebody who comes in and whoops, he's not good, and he's being paid more than guys that are on your team. 
<sighs> Fitz, any final thoughts here? Uh, I gave Nate. Uh, I gave Nate some final thoughts, and we went another five minutes on his final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I'm. I think I'm good. I was. I okay. think I was shooting for like a 35 minute show today, and I see we're coming up on an hour. But we appreciate everybody joining us uh, in there. I'm still going to continue to cover uh, the portal. Uh, 2024 recruiting wrapping up a bunch of commits were on campus this weekend uh, in addition to Andre Green and Alan Heron Jalen Lucas from Indiana was on campus this weekend from the uh, from the transfer portal so there's a lot going on of course the defensive coordinator search uh, bluewhalestrade.com we're going to talk a little bit about, more about that uh, before the press conference this week alright check all that out we will be back tomorrow with more BWI live talk to you then